Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined once again by former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin. Unfortunately, we are reconvening to discuss a Tennessee loss because Tennessee lost to LSU on Tuesday night at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha. Tennessee's season comes to an end because of a 5-0 to loss to the LSU Tigers and Will, it was quite the clunker, and uh, the offense simply did not show up. I mean, that that's pretty much the the summary of the game from from my perspective. Well, there were a couple chances, and it just seemed like we couldn't get that one hit to break through. And a couple couple of our rallies came with two outs, and it was just like. Um, it, it was just really frustrating the whole night for, for most of the lineup. Um, but you got to tip your cap a little bit to Ackenhausen. I was kind of talking in our last one about somebody coming out of the woodworks or the shadows and putting up a big performance in this time of year. And I was trying to talk about AJ Russell on our side, but they, they got one from him and um, you know, he mixed and match and got a couple calls and, we swung at a couple pitches out of the zone, um, but that was a big, big time outing from what we thought would be a bullpen game just turned into a uh, a two man domination performance. And, you know, LSU certainly got their work cut out for them facing Wake Forest tomorrow, as we would have as well. Um, we knew after we lost to Paul Skeens on Saturday that it would be an uphill climb, but uh, you kind of would have liked to get there and see what happens. But, you know, it just wasn't our night really from any aspect um, other than Drew Beam kind of gave us a really good performance and we kind of saw flashes of what the future is for A.J. Russell um, for a second time in Omaha. So, you know, it it stings like like absolute hell. And I'm sure, you know, Coach V has to simmer on that one the entire offseason, as do all the players that are coming back. Unfortunately, for the guys that aren't coming back, they've got to sit on it um forever but you know fortunately and i speak from experience here that they get to kind of root along and still feel like they're a part of the team for the next run because i don't think i don't think we're done seeing the tennessee vols in omaha um anytime soon and i think they'll be back much sooner rather than later yeah i I definitely agree with that sentiment uh to to expand on on my simple thoughts to, to begin uh, you, you of course, had a much better response to, than I did to the game. But I, I thought Tony Vitello summed it up perfectly with his first sentence uh, in his postgame press conference. We didn't play very well tonight, and, and they they did not. Outside of Drew Beam uh, and, and A.J. Russell, 
Uh, Kirby came in and, and got some outs uh, there at the end. Um, it just was not a good night uh, for for Tennessee. And uh, they, they did manage six hits, which looking back on it doesn't feel like a ton. I, I guess they also had some base runners, more base runners uh, because of hit by pitches. They had three hit by pitches, only one walk for the game. Uh, so they they did have 10 base runners. But, man, they they just simply could not. Uh, get hits with 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 runners on base and and they had opportunities uh, to do damage. Uh, they were unable to to push runs across in the second inning uh, with runners or they had a pair of base runners in that second inning uh, and just were not able to to take advantage. Griffin Merritt let off the inning with a single, uh, smoked it into center field, and then that's when Christian Moore grounded into a double play. Then Blake Burke he singles and then Zang Denton struck out. Uh, to end the inning, uh, that was the first of the leaving runners on base. And then in the third, uh, runners on first and second were stranded. In the fifth, runners on second and third were stranded. Uh, in the seventh inning, the bases loaded were stranded. Uh, and then they did get a runner on in the eighth inning. And that eighth inning will practically uh, summarize the night at that point. Uh, it, it was after, and we'll talk about the defensive stuff here in a second because the the defense was was not good, um, and cost themselves uh, at times uh, until that Dylan Cruz homer. Uh, Dylan Cruz hit that two run homer, and, and that was pretty much the the best offense of the night for LSU. Uh, they they did strike early. Uh, Dylan Cruz walked to lead off the the game, uh, and then he advanced to the second on a pass ball after Drew Beam struck out Tommy Wide, and and then Trey Morgan singled. Um, and then Kate Beloso had an RBI single. So um, they did have the the early run in the first inning, but kind of in between that first inning and that ninth inning, it felt like Tennessee was beating themselves more than LSU's offense was getting to them. I don't want to take anything uh, away from Ackenhauser. He, he was tremendous, and, and we can touch on him a little bit more in a minute. But that eighth inning, to, to finish the point that I was about to make, that eighth inning just kind of summarized the night. Jared Dickey, leadoff single. 3 nothing game, still within reach. Jared Dickey leads off with a single. And then Griffin Merritt immediately grounds into a double play. And then, of course, Christian Moore steps up and absolutely smokes a ball off the wall and, and left center uh, for a double. And, and then Blake Burke grounded out the shortstop to, to end that inning. And, and when it was all said and done, uh, Tennessee finished – one for eleven with runners on base and zero for five with runners on runners in scoring position. Uh, they stranded ten runners on base for the game, and uh, that that's just not going to get the job done. Unfortunate, uh, unfortunately, they the, the offense has been in a good place the last two two and a half months. But and you know it's part of it. It's it's baseball. You know plunkers happen from time to time, but unfortunately, uh, it happened at the worst time for Tennessee, and and now their season is over because of it because. If you just have a couple of of hits there, Will, I think Tennessee wins tonight. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it did that eighth inning kind of did feel like the way the whole night went. Um, just extremely frustrating. And you know that you know the guys are are extremely determined in the box and laser like focused. And you know, for for whatever reason, um, it just didn't happen for them. So you know, I really feel feel for them, but it's it, there's no there's no other way to describe it rather than a clunker. I mean, it was it was frustrating to for 
those in the dugout, it was frustrating for the coaches and it was certainly frustrating for the players. So, um, just a tough way, tough way to end it, man. Like I, I really knew that they wanted another shot at LSU as did I. Um, and so I don't know if they had just, you know how, you know how in baseball you can kind of try too hard and it doesn't work. Um, so maybe that was part of the recipe. Um, or maybe that guy was just really good. I didn't think that he was anything that we hadn't seen before. I mean, I was kind of hoping we would take a similar to Quinn Matthews approach, um, and kind of eliminate the fastball early on and, and sit on some of those off speed pitches. And, and we kind of were, but we just weren't really making solid contact on them. Um, it was weird. I'd never seen somebody throw so many off speed pitches up in the zone and, and be so successful with it. So maybe it was, it's just a little bit of reverse psychology there. It was like change up, up and, and curveball up, um, that we seem to not really know what to do with. Um, so yeah, it, it was just frustrating. Yeah. And, and Nate Ackenhausen was awesome. He, he was absolutely awesome. Um, I mean, he, he delivered when it mattered most. I mean, you and I spent 20 minutes or so last night on the pod, just, discussing how tough of a spot LSU's pitching staff was in and uh, Tennessee was not able to take advantage of it. And, and again, really not trying to take anything away from Ackenhausen. You know, these things happen in baseball, um, but there's really, to me, there's no reason that he, he should have had the success against this lineup the way that he did. I mean, just yesterday, Tennessee's facing the Pac-12 pitcher of the year and and they're kind of similar not the exact same don't want to say that but similar and you saw Tennessee have a tremendous amount of success and, and then come back the next day and and in my opinion a guy with lesser stuff have had very little success and, and and not take advantage of opportunities and I think the most frustrating part is Tennessee didn't really put pressure on him he, he, he never seemed to be rattled never seemed to have to really work hard to get out of a jam and then and, and never really had to to fight the momentum shift and, and things along that line. It, it just seemed like he coasted. And again, you tip your hat. I mean, it, it's it's a heck of a story. You hate it if you're associated with Tennessee, but uh, first career start at this level. Uh, he came from junior college, Eastern Oklahoma State College. Um, but entering tonight, he had thrown 22.1 innings over 15 appearances this season. And he proceeded to throw six scoreless innings of baseball, gave up four hits, didn't give up a walk, struck out seven, 93 pitches, 58 of them were strikes. And uh, the last time he pitched seven innings in a game was at Juco uh, last year when he pitched against Crowder College on, on May 20th. So uh, frustrating that, I mean, simply put, and, and this is obviously looking at it from the Tennessee side of things, but kind of felt like this game was on a, a silver platter for them, given kind of what LSU was was trying to manage and, and sort through. And Ackenhausen delivered when it mattered most. That was a heck of a performance. But from the Tennessee side of things, I, I think this is a loss that they're going to be kicking themselves for for quite some time. Yeah, and the, the walks are an interesting story because, you know, LSU was in the driver's seat last night, and they let Wake back in the game with three free passes. Um and Drew Beam is such a strike thrower, but he he walks the leadoff guy in Cruz. That's the first run they get. And then really all but the home run by Cruz later um, runs were on either a de defensive mistake or a free pass. 
Um, and so they did hit a few Tennessee batters, but they did they have did Cooper have a walk? If yeah, one. I don't, we we had one we had one walk. Um, and it's kind of that's kind of been the story throughout the tournament in Omaha on the other side of the bracket as well with the way the wind and the park has been playing this week. It's like the team that walks the most usually wins. Um, and that's what kind of where the offense is at least starting from. And then you see the big hits kind of cash those in, um, which is very atypical. I guess that's the right word. Atypical of a Frank Anderson pitching staff um, that just rarely ever walks anybody and an LSU pitching staff that was struggling to get anybody out, um, you know, a couple months ago and were really struggling with free passes and just giving up a lot of runs, didn't know who to turn to in the bullpen. It was kind of like they flipped our own narrative on our head um, tonight and, you know, it kind of makes it sting that much more, um, which we didn't give. We didn't give them a ton of walks. Certainly Drew Beam didn't, but – if we gave them an inch, they took it. If they gave us an inch, we weren't able to cash in on it. Well, and, and look, if you would have told me last night that Tennessee's pitching staff, and I think I said this on the podcast, like if you would have told me that Tennessee's pitching staff was going to hold LSU to five runs, I would have told you Tennessee's winning the baseball game. I, I would have, and I think I said that last night, like, it, or maybe it was in a radio interview today. Um, I, I, I said at some point, like, if, if Tennessee's pitching staff can can hold that LSU offense to four or five runs, I, I think they win tonight. Uh, and I'm, I'm very surprised. Uh, I mentioned this too. Like, I'm very surprised that Tennessee's offense was was not able to produce uh, tonight. Uh, and it happened at the worst time. I, I thought it was a great ad opportunity for them to take advantage of. And, and unfortunately, uh, the ball just did not bounce their way for, for several uh, different reasons. But I, I thought, you know, the, the pitching staff wasn't perfect from start to finish, but against that lineup, they gave them a chance to win. Uh, and, and there were a couple of interesting decisions. Um, I, I thought going to, to A.J. Russell straight from Drew Beam was an interesting decision just because the kid's a true freshman kind of throwing him in, like we talked about last night, sink or swim, and, and boy, did he swim. Uh, he was very, very impressive. But then why not stick with him to start that seventh inning, if, if I'm not mistaken? I thought that would have been a good opportunity to to start that seventh inning. And I know that Combs has been good his last couple of outings, but I, I, I'm i of the belief of if a guy's got it going and you don't need to go away from him for, for other reasons, then let him ride. Ride that horse and, until it, it starts to slow down or, or needs a, a break. And I think I would have let A.J. Russell start that next inning uh, going to Camden Sewell mid-count. What was interesting as well, it, it paid off, uh, although – Camden almost didn't, then he had a a double down the line that was just foul as well after how he got pulled for that reason. And, and I imagine uh, Tony and Frank wanted to go to Camden because he has that Frisbee out there that he throws, uh, that blitz ball, I, I think that, that you like to call it. Uh, so there were some interesting pitching decisions, I thought. Um, and even maybe not going straight to Halverson or – uh, Sewell, I, I thought was interesting as well. But at, at the end of the day, I, I thought the pitching staff did enough, but the bats let them down and the fielding that we need to discuss real quick let them down as well. Uh, a bunt, which was a hard play to make, uh, it, it looked maybe on television like Zane Denton could have let that. If he would have let the ball roll, it, it might have gone foul. 
Um, but I, I think that's real easy for everybody to say that's watching and, and you're not having to make a split second decision with a guy hustling down the line uh, because you don't want to let it roll. And then all of a sudden everybody's safe. You at least want to try to get in out. And I thought that was the the decision and just wasn't able to get a good throw on it, maybe rushed it a little bit. Uh, and then it was so far away from Christian Moore, who was covering the bag on the bunt, wasn't able to to corral that uh, throw. And and that one, it was a tough play. You got to make it. It was an error, obviously. I thought the more frustrating one was the double play that was was not turned. And boy, could that inning have, have been a lot more of a crooked number. Uh, the runner ended up scoring on a wild pitch, but uh, when you have a double play against that lineup, I mean, it was pitcher perfect. I talked about the double that almost was against Camden, comes back, gets a ground ball. And I'm literally saying out loud to Mike Wilson was to my left and Wes Rucker was to my right. I'm saying, oh, that's and that's why Tony went to, to Camden Sewell. And it's like as soon as I finished that sentence, Christian Moore dropped that ball at second base. And uh, Christian's been real good defensively uh, this second half of the season. But uh, that that's a play that you just got to make at this level to to beat a team like LSU. And, and it led to another run uh, being on the board. So the offense and, and and the defense, I thought, let the pitching staff down because may not have been perfect, but they did enough against a great lineup. Yeah, it was a dagger. I think you I think you explained it. Um, all that needed to be said there. I don't have any anything to add too much other than. it. It almost felt like some of the concerns from earlier in the year rear their ugly head tonight, um, which is whatever. I mean, you're you're not going to play error free every single game, and if we're if we're in that game and it's like five four or something, um, then it probably doesn't sting as much. At the end of the day, it didn't matter because we didn't score they didn't even need another run after the first inning and they would have won the game. Um, So, you know, ultimately it didn't matter, but that one did kind of hurt at the time. But I think, you know, I think Thompson's a really good runner and and Simo knew he needed a good turn. It wasn't hit too, too hard Um, with his arm. He probably had, you know, time to, to be quick, but not hurry. Um, But he hurried and that's, human nature in that spot and he was probably excited over the moon to get that double play and just wanted to turn it for his guy and um turn his head too quickly and, and lost it on the transfer so you know that stuff happens it was it's kind of a bad time for it but yeah what, whatever it is about lsu this year i'm glad we don't have to play uh them in 2023 again because we've had some weird drops from from earlier in the in the series at their place and now in Omaha, we just didn't play them well. And, you know, for whatever reason, they actually – and I'm sorry, they I know they're star-studded and it's a great roster. They really didn't impress me um, against us or Wake, for, or Wake Forest outside of Paul Skeens. Um, I, I don't see them winning tomorrow, so they can celebrate all they want. They're going to be watching with us um, for the final series. They got to stay a day longer, but, you know, I may eat those words, but I don't think they – I don't think they beat Wake tomorrow, or if they do, then it'll be tough to beat them again. So hopefully Wake will, you know, take more of a more advantage of a slim pitching staff than than we were able to do tonight. But again, Ackenhausen, he was he was dialed in. Yeah, I mean, I'll double up on what you said, and I've alluded to it. And if LSU fans get a hold of this, Lord knows they'll be all over me. But 
I, I really do believe tonight was more about Tennessee than LSU. And that's why it's going to be a tough pill to swallow because it, 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 it feels like Tennessee lost the game more than LSU won it. Uh, and that's always a, a really tough pill uh, to swallow. So I, I'm with you. I'd be surprised if if Wake doesn't beat them. I think it gets real interesting if they do get the schemes on Thursday, assuming schemes doesn't pitch tomorrow. Um, that, that would get real interesting. It'd be a really fun game. But I think Wake Forest will, like you just said, take advantage of that. Two other quick things I, I did want to note about the game. Uh, Drew Beam was good, really good. I, I thought he was here for the moment. I, I thought he maybe had a little bit of a command issue at times, but settled in and, and battled through adversity here and there. I thought he was great. Uh, and then the other specific play that I wanted to mention, uh, because I, I'm sure it was a talking point on, on social media, uh, the the play in which Josh Elander held up the runner at third. I believe it was Cal Stark, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was the right call. Uh, on the relay, Jordan Thompson was catching the relay as Cal Stark was getting in the third base. And, and I think, assuming that he makes a, a good enough throw, I, Cal Stark's probably out as by many feet at the plate as Maui Ahuna was against Stanford. Yep, yep. I You can't run yourself out of an inning right there. That was the right call, especially with Cal running. Um, was it Thompson who was the relay man, or was it Duke? I believe so. If it was Thompson, then definitely hold him because he is an absolute cannon. If it was Dugas, I could see it. He doesn't have quite the arm. Um, but, you know, you're at the top half of your order. I know you have two outs, but second and third, you don't want to get thrown out at the plate. That's the right call. If if we get a knock that next hitter, then everybody's praising him. We don't, and everybody's questioning it. That's a day in the life of a third-base coach. It is, and we have one more thing to discuss before we get out of here. want to try to tackle the, the big picture question about the season as a whole, and, and we'll do that uh, here in just a moment because we do need to squeeze a break in. So we'll be back here in just a moment on the Diamond Balls podcast. Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back into the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Will Heflin. 
recapping Tennessee's season-ending loss to LSU in Omaha. And before we continue and wrap up our conversation, would like to request that you go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That would greatly appreciate, or I should say greatly help us, and we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Will, before we get out of here, um, boy, was it a roller coaster of a season. And I, I think that it's really unfortunate that the season ended the way that it did, just in terms of how they played within this particular loss. Uh, I think ending the season with that performance is is a really, really tough pill to swallow because I think they they squandered an opportunity uh, to knock off LSU, big, bad preseason number one LSU, uh, and, and keep playing baseball. I, I hope people, because of this performance, don't forget the way that this team turned its season around and that they don't forget the run that they made to finish the regular season, the run through the Clemson Regional, the Hattiesburg Super Regional, getting back to Omaha. It's not easy, people. It it is not. Uh, Tennessee was essentially playing in like a Final Four Elite Eight game tonight. And that that doesn't happen often. It, it doesn't. It, it it is hard to get here and 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 win games here. And uh, yes, it, it's very frustrating how Tennessee lost. Uh, and it, it's maddening as hell that that it feels like they squandered an opportunity. But that should not erase what they did to finish the regular season and, and the run that they just went on through uh, the postseason and, and the NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, I think if you would have told people that Tennessee loses to LSU in Omaha um, to just miss the Final Four in April or March, then Tennessee fans would have said, I'll take that. Um, You know, what this team did was, aside from being a roller coaster and kind of frustrating at times, was they took a huge step. Uh, forward for the program, not only reaching Omaha for the second time in in three years, but also doing it in a different way than a Tony Vitello team had done it before by going on the road in both regionals and super regionals. That's really tough. That's a great accomplishment. Um, There's no season that ends in Omaha that's considered a bad season. Um, And I, I just think that's something to build off for the program it's one of those things where the more you're there, the better you get at it. Um, and I know that's frustrating when you have the talent to compete with anybody. You want to win it every single time you're there. Um, but if you look at if you look at other coaches around around the, uh, you know, not just the SEC, but some of the ACC coaches uh, that have national championships and some of the I don't know if any of the Big Twelve ones currently do, but you know, at one point in time, there was Mr. Augie Garrido at Texas. Um, some coaches had to take their lumps in Omaha early before they were able to get over that hump and and win a national championship. So I wouldn't bet against Tennessee winning one at some point in the future. It obviously wasn't this year. Um, but we're also set up to be a top team, a top team from the jump next year. You've got arguably your two best arms coming back, certainly the two hottest in the year. You've got some pieces um, in the lineup coming back. And then, you know, 22 is going to do his, his deeds and his part in the, in the recruiting trail and also the transfer portal. Um, 
you know, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on where you think they need to emphasize and focus. I haven't looked too much into the recruiting class of, of incoming freshmen, but just off the top of my head, I would say um, maybe some help offensively at catcher, um, a left-handed arm. You can never have too many lefties, but I would love to maybe go get a power lefty or, or just a lefty with a lot of um, college games under his belt, something like that something like that, maybe another outfield bat like you had in Griffin Merritt this year. Um, and then you'll probably have to address shortstop again with, with Maui leaving. So those are just my initial thoughts. I'm in interested to hear what um, your thoughts are, Ben. You know, I, I, I agree with that uh, for sure. And I was actually wanting here at the end of the week or, or early next week, maybe after the college world series, uh, sit down and, and knock out a, kind of an off-season preview uh, podcast because I – Oh, I'm I, sorry, man. I'm already, no. I'm already ready for next year. Yeah, look, man, I, I'm too. Baseball – look, college football is the best. The SEC football is the best. I, I love SEC basketball, uh, but baseball is my sport, um, and and hopefully my passion shines through in my coverage uh, throughout the year, not not just here in, um, here in Omaha in, in June, but even January and February yeah. preview in the season. So I'm with you. Like, I'm already – like I want to be back in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I, I miss my seat in in the Lindsey Nelson Stadium press box. So I, I'm with you. Uh, but just brief thoughts. I was more so teasing a, a nice lengthy uh, podcast that that we can really go nerd out on in, in terms of offseason plans because there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Uh, I think some draft decisions have become very interesting. Mainly like Zane Denton. Like I, I think before he kind of went on this run the last month, I, I was leaning towards him coming back. Um, but now. I, I'm not so sure about that. So uh, I, I think it would be good to have a, a lengthier conversation. But the first thing that comes to mind is evening out the lineup and and, and getting more righties in the lineup. I, I think that's going to be <clears throat> – sorry, my, my throat's still dealing, giving me crap after I, I was sick a couple weeks ago. But um, I, I think you got to get some more righties uh, th throughout the lineup uh, because it, it just seemed like – I, I think that that was part of the reason that lefties gave them issues at times, just because they were so left-handed heavy. And and even like at the end of this game, you know, I, I really feel bad for Christian Scott. Um, ended the the ended his Tennessee career uh, after a great season, kind of cold at the plate. Uh, and you know, Cal Stark had some rough patches as well. And and those are probably situations against the lefty where you'd like to bring a righty off the bench uh, to, to face the lefty and, and you didn't have anybody to go to your, your three pinch hit options were, or really two were Dylan Dryling and, and Kavar's tears. Uh, so I think getting some more righties uh, is going to be very important. Uh, you, you're going to have to find a shortstop. I don't know that the shortstop is, is on the roster uh, right now in terms of an everyday starting shortstop in the sec. Uh, I think that's a position uh, that Tennessee needs to be on the, on the lookout for in the portal. I think catcher, like you mentioned, um, could could use a little more production offensively, uh, just putting it simply. And, and uh, they're, they're going to have some key arms leaving, especially out of the bullpen. Seth Halverson's gone. Camden Sewell's gone. Andrew Lindsay's gone. Chase Dolander's gone. You're going to have some key arms uh, to replace. And, and I do think Tennessee will uh, make an addition on the mound here in the next couple of days now that the, the season is over. Uh, so and we can break that down uh, when, when that time comes. But uh, there, there's a lot of moving pieces um, with, with guys going into the draft and, and 
Uh, the transfer portal is is wild. NIL it has created just absolute chaos. So uh, th- there's going to be several positions of need uh, that that Tennessee is going to have to to check off. And, and unfortunately, will like they haven't had a, a ton of time to recruit. I mean, Tony Vitello said on the radio uh, last week with, with John Wilkerson that they they lost out on a guy because he wasn't able to come visit uh, because they were on the road on the road traveling to Clemson on the the road traveling to Southern Miss and they were kind of hoping that he would uh, lay off making a decision until he could come visit and he decided to go ahead and and go through with a decision so uh, they they are a little bit behind the eight ball even for ace recruiters like Tony Vitello and, and Josh Elander but uh, it, it may be the off season for fans but. I guarantee you Tony Vitello will be somewhere tomorrow recruiting, and so will Josh Elander. Yeah, no sleep for those guys. They're getting right after it. Um, the only closing thoughts I, I have are, you know, first of all, for the for the guys that are leaving, whether it's eligibility or um, for sure leaving in the draft, is, you know, just a thank you to them. You mentioned C. Scott and, and Camden Sewell. Those guys are all vol. Um, Griffin Merritt, all vol. Those guys push the program forward in in all the right ways, both on the field playing baseball and the way they represented the university. Um, and then, you know, big thank you to to you as well, Ben. You're a pros pro covering the Vols. You do a great job. Um, so, you know, certainly was was a fun run here at the end, and I appreciated you letting me uh, kind of in, in bo- – what's the – intrude on your on your podcast and let me tag along and and try to try to give you some good ideas and and some good feedback and comments so it uh it was definitely fun but i don't think there's anybody out there who could do a better job of covering the team than you do um and i think i speak for most most vol fans and and people around knoxville when i say that so um you know it's it like i said before it's a lot to be proud of it stings like hell for everybody involved but at the end of the day, it's a building process and it doesn't happen as fast as you want it to ever in anything, especially something as hard as baseball and the SEC and the just the, the way Omaha is set up. It's extremely hard to win, but I firmly believe that we will win one under Tony Vitello and maybe win multiple. Um, so we just got to keep trudging along. And like you said, be recruiting tomorrow and and looking forward to next year as you know as soon as we wake up in the morning i a appreciate the kind words it means more than you know and, and your check is in the mail we'll, we'll have to get the the, the wifey stood together and, and and hit up dinner here in a, a couple of weeks now that i've got some some free time and, and and we're gonna have to get out on the golf course but certainly appreciate you joining us uh it, it was an absolute joy and, and a whole lot of fun. I mean, your insight has, has been great. Uh, and, and you are welcome back anytime. And then, well, I don't even know why I'm saying welcome back. I'm, I'm going to drag you on here uh, over the course of the off season. And uh, we'll, we'll get you on here with Wes as well uh, next season as, as well. I, I don't have any plans of, of cutting you off. So I look forward to you continuing to, to be a voice on the podcast. And uh, tonight's not the, the final podcast ever. And, and, uh, I kind of have some basic ideas in my head about some some potentially fun podcasts uh, over the next month or two. One of my favorite things about covering Tennessee baseball, obviously the baseball, it, it's the best. It, it's my favorite. But because the, the the coverage is not what it is for, for Tennessee football, 
or even basketball, especially when I started and, and like when you were on the team and, and kind of building the program, the, there wasn't as much coverage. So I got to build unique relationships with guys like yourself. Uh, and that's continued. Uh, so over the next month or two, maybe getting some of uh, your former teammates and, and guys that are uh, moving on from from this year's team uh, on the podcast and, and just having fun conversations, hanging out and, and getting to, to know those guys more. That, that That's an idea I've got. And, and we'll try to look to, to execute that. So uh, and, and that's honestly the, the toughest part um, of the season coming to an end, walking down and, and having to, to talk to Camden Sewell. Uh, who he and I have have developed a, a a neat relationship given my job and and what he's been doing the last five years. He, he's just an awesome dude, uh, and it, it it quite frankly hurts you to to see a guy like that be so emotional uh, because it, his baseball career at Tennessee's over. And even a guy like Griffin Merritt, uh, who who was here for a year, he was pretty emotional. Uh, all the guys were were really emotional afterwards, and and that's always the tough part about the season coming to an end. But um, had a lot of fun. We'll be back soon and often throughout the summer and uh, certainly next baseball season. So appreciate your insight and, and always being willing to uh, deal with these late nights with me and hopping on. Yep. Enjoyed it, man. Hey, go Vols. Um, for everybody listening, just hang in there. The LSU fans will hush eventually. Yeah. Or just just do what I do and stay off social media. Yeah. Well, that's what I do too. But I do like to get on there and read it, especially – now that it's over, I'm like, okay, it doesn't doesn't affect my preparation for the next game. So I'll go see what kind of reckless stuff is being said. But yeah, just read it and laugh and brush it off. Yeah, maybe these next uh, couple of weeks we can pry out of Will Heflin what his burner account is and uh, go go stalk that that burner account and, and see who he's been tweeting at. I think that would be pretty interesting. So I've got seven of them. I've got nine of them. So. We, we, maybe we can team up and, and have one giant burner account and just burn everybody in Knoxville. And, and in the SEC, I guess, is the better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate I'm you, Will. so bad at that. You too, man. Thanks. For another great season of Tennessee baseball, this has been another season of the Diamond Balls podcast. And uh, just want to say real quickly, uh, thank you for everybody who listened and supported throughout the year. Uh, big thanks to Wes as well. He, he was just as big a part of this podcast. Uh, as I was uh, and um, traveling, it's kind of hard for, for three people to be on the pod, but greatly appreciate all of Wes's contributions throughout the season. And just thank you to everybody who followed our coverage on GoBalls247.com. It may be the offseason now, but there will be plenty to discuss in the coming weeks, and we'll have coverage of it all at GoBalls247.com. Uh, for Will Heflin, I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Balls Podcast. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247 you can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day all day every day mostly with tennessee news uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting Uh, but if you want that best most delicious east tennessee smoky mountain spring water directly from the source 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!